Hello, and welcome to Women of Questionable Morals, a Gilmore Girls thematic deep dive podcast. I'm Elena. And I'm Soraya. And today we bring to you our three-part magnum opus season one finale <laughs> episode, Rory Dropping Out of Yale. The pivotal moment. The one you've been waiting for. The one you've been clamoring for. Today is the day. But hold on to your hats. Because we are not going to just talk about it right off the bat. No, 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 no. <laughs> we have a lot of scene setting. Appetite wetting. Multiple digressions to go through. And the first of which is to acknowledge that, hey, we've accomplished season one this clap 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 (laughs) tap on the back i don't know if y'all realize like sarai and i both have full-time jobs we live eight hour time differences away from each other we live an ocean and a whole continent away Mm -hmm. from each other so finding time (laughs) to do our recordings is not easy and yet We are so passionate. We are so Gilmore Gaga that we made this happen. And honestly, I'm astounded by the response we've had from listeners. Honestly. And before we jump into that, let's also throw in, you have two other podcasts. I have one other podcast. It's a lot going on. Um, But yeah, it's been incredible. Like, you know, we kind of just started this as like a little passion project because we just love the show and we want to talk about it. And we're like, you know what? We may as well record it while we do. And and we discovered been... in each other someone to talk about the show yes, with. Yes. And we just wanted to celebrate that in the way that podcasters do, which is let's record our conversations. Because we're so entertaining, obviously. <laughs> Um, but you've all been like, you've been wonderful and lovely and there's been so much engagement, which has been great. Like I love hearing from other people's perspectives or things they picked up on that we didn't or things that we showed them that they hadn't picked up on. And it's just been so much fun. So I really, really appreciate all of you. And I mean, does it kind of hurt that you and I have other podcasts and people don't really seem to engage? Yes. But it only took us talking about a widely beloved cult show for the people to come to us. So, hey, we've learned our lesson. (laughs) But if after this episode, you crave more of our very witty, thoughtful analysis, please do check out Book Solid and Bookshelf Remix because we bring that same kind of, I was going to say energy but maybe not (laughs) but we bring we bring our whole analytic selves to exploring works of literature and hey maybe you'll pick up a book and you'll really like it and it's just quality content honestly i mean i'm totally unbiased obviously but (laughs) but we should be back in the new year with season two so don't go too far And and sneak peek we will finally be talking about rory and dean in season two so if that's something you've been waiting for i actually found a pro dean a team dean person in my friend group and so (laughs) i've told them please write in because sarai and i may need this perspective (laughs) for our episode 
Yeah, you know, everyone is allowed their own opinions, so uh, <laughs> that'll be interesting for sure. I mean, we've we've heard from Team Logans out there. Hi, y'all. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure there are Team Deans. I know they are fewer and far more far between, but they do exist. So if you're Team Dean, write in to WOQM Pod and tell us why. And we promise we will read it. We will oh, not absolutely. promise to agree. <laughs> and even if we, you know, it's all just friendly discourse. Like, I like to understand, like, why, you know, what are the, what, how do you read certain situations and just get, get in the lowdown. So, you know, yes, please, well, please sure. don't feel discouraged. Now that that housekeeping has been settled, I'm pouring myself some wine. And Soraya, please take it away with... The pitfalls of Rory's pedestal. Oh, yes. I am pouring myself some water because it's very early where I am. <laughs> Too early for me to have some wine. Well, maybe not. It's 12. No, I'm not having wine. But anyway, um, <laughs> like we said at the top, this is a three-act episode because there's so much that goes into this kind of like hugely pivotal moment of Rory dropping out of Yale. And act one, pitfalls of Rory's pedestal. So, if you've watched the show, even once, you know that there is very much this dynamic that is alive and well of, like, Rory can do no wrong, pretty much. You know, this is reaffirmed to her through her relationship with her mother, with her grandparents, with the townsfolk, with anyone who comes within a 10-mile radius of her. Rory can do no wrong. That's just, like, the, the prevailing idea. And I think this refusal for external people to hold Rory accountable or or to even allow herself to hold herself accountable is really to her detriment. And I wanted to just start with a few examples of the way people are constantly kind of praising her because it's for seemingly mundane things. Like the one that blows me away, there's two actually. The first when she goes on the Yale tour with her mom and grandparents and Richard's like, she walked in there and she just shook his hand, like talking to the Dean of Admissions. And it just blew him away. She just shook his hand. Can you believe it? And I was like, you mean the like societal gesture that we've all come to pre-COVID? Agree upon as like, pre-COVID. <laughs> as like the way of greeting someone. Like, like, it's not that big of a deal, right? She just shook the man's hand. And then also, she she's her- not five years old. Yeah, she's 16. Oh, no, she's 17 in that episode. Like, it's so strange that he was so blown away. And then the one where she gets arrested and they're talking to Richard's friend, who's the lawyer, who's going to help. And he asked Rory, like, oh, you know what? We've been so busy talking. We haven't even asked, like, if you have any questions about the trial. And she's like, oh, I guess, or the hearing. She's like, I guess I just want to know, like, what's going to happen. And he was like, that is a good question. Richard, that is a good question. And Richard's like, well, she is a Gilmore. (laughs) And I'm like. She just asked the most basic question. It's so patronizing. (laughs) It really is. Oh my gosh. So yeah, that's kind of just like the examples I wanted to give of like, imagine being built up like that your whole life. Like, of course you would get to a point where you kind of are, you lose your self-awareness. Yeah. And for me, and I swear this isn't just because it relates to my job, but it comes down to them neglecting Rory's agency in so many ways, like praising her for seemingly small things. Like this teenager shook this person's <laughs> hand 
let's celebrate. Like, this isn't a huge accomplishment. But also things like her mom and the town in general refusing to see her as, like, an equal participant in the car accident with Jess. Or even when she does steal the boat with Logan, like her mom assumes like it's all Logan's fault, even though it was Rory's idea. And Rory resents this a lot. And I feel like those are two sides of the same coin of saying like celebrating her as a shining example for just existing, but then denying that she has any agency in making bad decisions. Or I feel like the case of the car accident with Jess, it's not even a bad decision. It's just she was there as part of the event and it's framed as bad because she's not supposed to hang out with Jess. Ooh, because Jess is a bad kid and she is a good kid and therefore it could never be her idea. Well, in that case, she's the one who said, keep driving. Let's go get ice cream. Like, I don't want to go back to Luke's right away. And with the yacht, she's the one who told Logan, come away from your party and come steal a boat with me. Like both those instances were her making a decision, which granted may or may not be bad, but no one is willing to recognize that she has any agency. And I want to address this because I saw someone on, on the subreddit. Um, I don't remember who the user was, but I'm not going to quote them directly. I'm just going to talk about like the idea. They said that they are frustrated with this idea of what we're saying of people arguing that Rory's never had held accountable for her decisions and that she doesn't hold herself accountable. To be fair, she does try to in certain mm-hmm. situations. You know what I mean? She tells people like, I told Jess to keep driving. I said, you know, mm-hmm. let's not go back and study. She tells her mom, I'm the one who told Logan, you know, let, like you said, let's go away. Let's go do this. But I think we can't deny, even if you as a person try to hold yourself responsible and everyone and we do mean everyone around you is saying you know it's it's not your fault it's not that big of a deal you didn't mean to you were led astray like I think it can affect the way that you perceive it of like well I tried to be responsible but everyone's telling me that it wasn't really my fault like I think that can distort your own perception and like eventually make you just feel like well I mean I'm not bad because like everyone said I'm not bad and if I may this came to me while I was doing a rewatch of High School Musical 2 recently. Classic. The best one, in my opinion. But yeah, it is. It is definitely the best one. But basically, for those of you not aware of the plot of this movie, star basketball player Troy Bolton and his friends all get hired at a country club for the summer, but he gets preferential treatment because the daughter of a like important person at the club like wants to date him and so as a white man he keeps being offered like more opportunities to get better types of jobs to hang out with the members to get contacts for college while his classmates including his best friend who is black and his girlfriend who is latina be completely disregarded and treated terribly and at every step he's just like but why am I 
being given these advantages. I don't want to leave my friends. I don't want to do this. This seems bad. And everyone, including his father, is telling him, no, you know, your friends should be happy for you. You should take all these shortcuts. You should accept all of these privileges. And it's basically a movie of how do we teach young white straight boys that they deserve so much more than everyone else. And I think this is what is happening with Rory. Like, she's like, no, but I was part of the situation. I made a decision. And everyone is like, no, you're the perfect child. Therefore, it's not possible for you to do anything wrong. You can't hurt anyone's feelings. You don't have a bad bone in your body. Like, it's this kind of narrative that we see. People aren't just born with it we do like train people to think this way about themselves. Yes. And I feel like for Lorelai, especially, I feel like she may even use it as a coping mechanism for herself because she can't reconcile the fact that her perfect, perfect daughter would do something like this. So it's easier for her to deny, 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 and say like, well, she had to have been influenced by that bad boy, Jess, and she had to have been influenced by that, you know, rich, a-hole Logan like you know what I mean it's so much Mm -hmm. easier for her to shift the blame on someone else because she can't fathom that her daughter who she put on this pedestal would ever do something like this and it's a shame for Rory because you know we briefly touched on this in the Emily Lorelai episode as well but I really want to get into it here like she has not been given room to fail And failure is like, not to be a cliche, but it's so important. It's such a pivotal part of life. We are all going to fail. We all have failed. We will all continue to fail because we're human beings. So like anytime she's had some kind of shortcoming and for everyone to push it, push it, push it away and be like, this is not you. You don't do this. Like that messes with your mind. Like she, she has no coping mechanisms for failure because she's never been given space to be, uh, I guess, inferior and I guess, like, in, I touched on it in that other episode as well. I see what Lorelai was trying to do, give Rory the opposite of what she had. But I think anytime Rory has any minor setbacks, it feels catastrophic for her because she's like, oh my gosh, I failed. I'm not perfect. I'm not smart. I'm not accomplished. I'm not all the things everyone's been telling me I am my whole life, you know? Yeah, I think it, Rory Gilmore as a character embodies the fear that Gen Xers have of the millennial snowflakes of being like, oh, if you keep telling your kids they're special all the time, then they won't be able to tough it out. And as we see Rory in the revival, that is kind of the case. That is what happened. Whether or not this happens in real life, I feel like is anecdotal. But yeah, definitely she's kind of gaslit with toxic positivity mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a thing like she's gaslit into self-doubting yeah for sure and you know i think the the situation that makes me think of it the most is like when she was in college and she had to drop a class because mm-hmm. you know she had like a full class load she was i think also trying to work and it was just too much and she sees this as like a huge, massive failure, right? Because she's Roy Gilmore. She doesn't drop classes. She doesn't not succeed. And I just feel like, and I I can relate, like, you know, in college, like 
I feel like in high school, I was very much felt like Rory, like small pond, big fish. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I don't have to try that hard and I can do really well in school. And then I got to college and it was a huge wake up call of like, this is not, <laughs> I was not conditioned for the real world. Um, so I get that feeling and like feeling like it's so much bigger than it is, but I just couldn't help but wonder like if she'd been given space to fail, given room to fail, room to grow, maybe she could have been able to put it in perspective a little bit better of like her life's not over because she has to drop a class. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's hard because I went through very similar things, granted for different reasons. Like I've basically been sick my whole life and as a teenager, I kind of accepted that I'm not going to be the sporty one, but I can be the academic one. I can be the nerd. I can be book smart and all of these things. And then I got to university and I pushed too hard and I kind of pushed my body into a crash. And then having to realize I had to go down to part time. That was a huge identity shift because I had completely built myself up to be like I am the person who takes all the classes volunteers has a part-time job has A's like all of these things this is what I was and now it was told you have to become a completely different person in a way so Mm -hmm. I I do relate to that in the show and I'm glad that they had that portrayal however I think where both of our analysis meet is the way that Rory deals with that and kind of confiding in Dean going back to something that is familiar even though it's maybe like not the best idea while all understandable is possibly not the best way one would cope with these feelings of transition and at the same time Lorelai you know she does her best but all she can do is like well you caught up at Chilton so it will be fine but Lorelai also has not been to college and maybe can't understand exactly what Rory is going through And Rory just needs that space to say, hey, I can't live being the person who has straight A's all the time. That's untenable for me. And she's not given that space. Yes. And I wanted to talk about, like, one more thing about Rory constantly being, like, praised and told how wonderful she is. And we touched on it just briefly, but there were some specific examples of, like, it leads her to be incredibly, she lacks self-awareness. And you touched on this in our previous episode that they're both just not very reflective people. And I just can't help but wonder if like this mentality, this constant, like I'm good, I'm the good kid. I am like leads her to be unable to see how her actions can be bad. So like her Mm -hmm. comments about Dean and Lindsay's marriage or like her involvement in their marriage is something huge. I think about like, in her head, she's like, well, I'm just being a friend. I just want what's best for him. I'm just trying to be supportive. Like, you are way too involved in that marriage for it to be anywhere near appropriate, especially as his ex-girlfriend. You know what I mean? Like, she constantly oversteps but doesn't see it. And then, you know, we'll talk about this more, but the comments about the ballerina being so legitimately shocked that people find her words hurtful because she's like, well, like, I didn't. I'm not trying to be mean because like, that's what's been confirmed to her whole, whole life. Like she's a sweet, kind kid. She's like, I would never hurt somebody on purpose. So yeah, I just, I don't know. I think it trickles out into a lot of different aspects of her life. Yeah, definitely. And with the whole Dean and Lindsay thing, again, she's unable to see that she's feeling protective over Dean because she's decided to reclaim him as an anchor 
in her mm-hmm. life because her life at school doesn't make sense. She wants Dean as an anchor and this is a way to focus her angst. And it's completely inappropriate. Like, please don't do that with your ex-boyfriend's marriage. Like, Right? And I was just, there was a comment I saw. I'll, I'll read it. Um, someone on Reddit, the traveling gnome, they said, you know, Roy, they were referring to the article with the ballerina and, and the one with Logan, but they're saying Roy is mm-hmm. left confused because her whole life people told her how good she is and how she would never mean to hurt anyone. But now people her age are telling her how much they've been hurt by her words and this results in severe cognitive dissonance and she doesn't have the emotional capacity to handle it. So she overreacts. Yeah, that's it. It's this idea that she can do no wrong. And therefore, when she does do wrong, she's on. I think Rory is just being trained to be a white man. I think this she's in white man school. <laughs> well, that's why. So someone who was defending that idea saying Rory does face consequences for her actions. Does she like, okay. Kind of, is the answer, to, for me at least. But they were like, oh, well, you know, when she stole the yacht, she's the only one who had a punishment and the rest of them got off scot-free. I'm like, that's not, you broke the law. Like, of you're operating from a place of saying, well, she should have got off because everyone else did. And since she had to face the legal ramifications of an illegal action, she had to face consequences. It's like, A, that was a very minor uh, consequence for the, 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 for what she did. Yeah. And definitely the fact that she is a white girl from a respected family did play into it. Even though the judge is like, I don't want to leave you off scot-free. Like, I feel if she had a prior, if she had priors and she committed grand theft, voting, <laughs> or whatever they call it. <laughs> I mean, it, it could have been different. Like she complains that she gets lots of community service, but you know, sure, okay, but that is an instance of, like, a legal matter, but we're also thinking globally about all the actions she does, like, sure, the ballerina gets mad and writes die. But everyone else praises the article, so. Exactly, she's reaffirmed by Doyle, her editor, and her grandparents, and everyone is just like, yeah, this is the right career move, this is what you need to do, the business is cutthroat, you can't be a good person. It's it's framed as a, this is what growing up means. You have to learn to like be mean to people. Yeah, like it's an unfortunate but necessary part of the path she's chosen. Yeah. Um, oh, that the person I was talking about, it was just some comment I saw on Reddit. This wasn't like a, a reader or like a listener who dropped in. I didn't want someone to think I was like patronizing one of you. I would never. <laughs> no, no. Because um, I mean, like, does she face consequences in the grand scheme? Yes. But what we're talking about, I think, is more the fact that she doesn't understand why she has, there should be any consequence to her actions. Or that the consequences would be anything other than she intended. Which I feel is a very naive way to navigate the world. Yeah, it's like, there's not a lot of interpersonal consequences for her actions maybe that's Mm -hmm. a better way of putting it Um, yeah it just seems like everyone in her life is just like you better believe if that had been someone else in the town who had an affair with a married man that would have been wildfire that would have been yeah 
okay, there would have been a whole new ribbon situation. Like, who are whose side are you on? Like, this would have been front page news. But because it was Rory, it was mm-hmm. very much, like, swept under the rug. Unsavory. But, you know, we're talking about the ballerina a bit. So let's move on to act two. Yeah. <laughs> Rory, Mitchum, and the ballerina. <laughs> um, I'll let you take lead on this one since I started on the first one. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, credit where credit is due, Soraya is the one who pointed out this parallel to me that the way that Rory treats the ballerina by writing a scathing review that is, as we've discussed, fat phobic, but also just plain mean. And then Rory is shocked that the ballerina is a upset and that it's had material consequences in terms of the show shutting down early, excuse me, the ballerina not getting accepted to Juilliard Lots of other things. So Rory's like, what? I did something? And bad things happen as a result? And then she goes and talks to her grandparents. And they're like, no, this is fine. And Doyle is like, good job, kiddo. And her mom is like, well, I guess this is mean. But yeah, whatever. And then when we compare that to when Rory interns at Mitchum's paper... And she asks him for his honest opinion of how her performance is going. And he basically tells her, you're not cut out for this world, dame. And she's like, oh, oh no, I can't do it. I must drop out of Yale. And she goes through all of this thing. So we look at how everyone else reacts to that. So basically, like, the parallels are both Rory and Mitchum are pretty callous are pretty untactful about how they deliver their message. And basically they're telling the other person, you should stop doing this thing that you've invested so much time and energy in. And that is your dream job because I think you're not suited for it. Mm -hmm. Rory gets accolades and Mitchum's situation has Richard Gilmore being like, how dare he? What is this nonsense? And like, obviously, Lorelai is also saying like, who is he to say all of these things? And Rory's like, well, he's actually like a big gatekeeper. Like he's a big deal in my chosen profession. Like what he has to say does kind of matter. And again, this is an instance of no one believing Rory. (sighs) Rory's like, no, actually... I kind of care what he thinks. And everyone is like, how dare he? Blah, blah, blah. And why are we treating these differently? One case is like, Rory, you're doing the necessary evil. And then when Mitchum is saying, I did a necessary evil, they're just like, but you're doing it to Rory. And therefore we can't stand by it. Yes. I think the huge parallel for me, and the third act of this for all of you, you know, it will be the actual dropping out. And I think we are far more empathetic than a lot of people are to that situation, but we'll get into it. The mm-hmm. The irony of it all is Richard's line where he says, he tells Rory, you did that girl a favor. Straight up. That's what he says. Mm-hmm. He's like, now, he said, sometimes young people don't know that they aren't good at something. And now that poor girl can go to business school. That's what he says to her. So it's just interesting here that... It's framed that way. And then Mitchum almost says the same thing to Rich- Richard when he confronts him about it. 
he says, like, you know, I don't beat around the bush. And then we're going to get into whether what Mitchum said was right, wrong, you know, how all that. But overarching, Mitchum says the same thing to Richard of like, you know who I am. I don't beat around the bush. If she really does have it, she'll take what I said and she'll bounce back. So it's just so, and those episodes are what? The ballerina, I guess that's a whole season apart. Fine. Um, Because it's season four and season five. (laughs) But it's just, it it was always so interesting to me that he straight up was like, oh, forget that girl. You know, now she knows she's not good at it and she can divert her attention elsewhere. But they can't stand to hear someone think unfavorably about Rory. And let's get into what Mitchum said, how he said it. Yeah. uh, The kind of ramifications of that. Because unlike Rory, we could, if we are generous, say Mitchum knows more of what he's talking about. Like Rory was, she knows nothing about dance. Why did they have her do it? She knows nothing about dance. Exactly. This is Mitchum's bread and butter. Like he's a very successful businessman by the standards of the industry, etc. And so, in a way, we could say that his opinion of Rory's performance has more weight. So let's let's look at it that way. So Soraya, lay out your case for Mitchum has a point. Um, so I don't that's the thing is like I used to waffle back and forth. Like if, especially when I first started watching the show, I was much younger, you know, and I think the very first time I watched it, I was like, Rory severely overreacted. I can't believe blah blah blah. My op- opinion has changed as I've gotten older. But you know, I think for the sake of this argument, since it's such a big thing for the show, we will like play both sides just to have like more to discuss. So as a plot point, I think this is totally fine for this to happen. Let's say that Mitchum thought he was being helpful, that he was just being honest, that this girl who's working for him and wants to be in this industry, you know, wants to hear how she may fare going forward. And he tells it to her straight and he thinks he's quote doing her a favor she asked for his honest opinion and he's giving his honest opinion and he just sees it as like i don't as you are now i don't see you thriving in this profession but yeah okay so if we're gonna play devil's advocate we're gonna play like from that side of it yes he she asked him what is your opinion of me and he gave it and he doesn't seem like the type of beater on a bush around the bush we all know Mitchum's like an asshole like that's fairly evident he just represents a very specific kind of like person and I think that if him seeing Richard's reaction at the um party that Rory plans he's probably genuinely surprised that Rory was so upset by what he said because I feel like he's the type of person who's like don't ask a question if you don't want to know the my true answer type, Mm -hmm. type of thing so yeah, so I don't agree with what Mitchum said, but if we want to, or how he said it, but if we want to have that side there, I think that's probably where he was coming from. I think there is some truth to back up like Rory's feelings of like, this is a big deal person telling you you're not cut out for this job. Like I would take that as a huge blow as well. And because we've had so much buildup since the beginning of the show that this is Rory's dream job. Everyone expects her to like be so good at it. Although like they keep saying like she's good at writing, but is she a good at being a journalist? Like We're I don't talk know. About that. But anyway <laughs> I come to this analysis through two lenses. 
first is a feminist analysis of everything Mitchum says in that speech is devaluing the essential roles of organization and care that Rory's exhibiting. He's like, basically he's trying to devalue her by saying you're very organized and good at being a secretary. But that is also saying that you can't bring those skills to being a journalist, which I feel is exhibiting a very narrow view of like what kind of person can fulfill this role. So in that sense, he is effectively gatekeeping by saying you don't fit this model. Therefore you can't have this job. Also, he's not giving her any advice on how to develop any additional skills. He's just saying you're not suited for this kid. I'm like, that is the most counterproductive way to interact with any young person or any person starting off in a job is so unproductive because you're basically saying you are the problem, your personality, the way you approach the work, where you approach the world is the problem as opposed to being like, okay, how can we work on making you more assertive and things like that. And not that that is the only way to be good at one's job but let's say if we're just from Mitchum's point of view and he's like you have to be assertive then he'll be like hey how can we train you how can we work on this that would have been a much more productive way of looking at it and my other lens is the political critique of this system because I feel that Mitchum telling Rory she can't have her dream job is playing into the kind of girl boss feminism that is the show's song. Like it's singing the song of the show of like a strong woman, independent woman is someone who has a dream, works hard, achieves said dream, which is something that, you know, at the end of season seven happens for Rory. She's had all of these trials and tribulations, but the dream she had in season one has been accomplished in season seven. And this is how we mark her success. The same way that Lorelai having the dream of owning her own inn and having a successful inn marks her success. So I think that there's an overall lens that we can take to this interaction between Mitchum and Rory that says that because Mitchum is the man who tells Rory, the woman, you can't do this, it plays into the show's only definition of feminism, which is women can do whatever men can do, as opposed to recasting it as what can, you know, Rory's approach to journalism bring to the field as opposed to trying to make her more like a man. If that makes sense. It totally does. And and that's where I, I stand on it is that I don't hate this as a plot point. I think it was good for Rory to face some major setback. I think that her having this crisis and dropping out of Yale, which we'll talk about in the next act, totally realistic and believable. It's the fact that the way that scene was written, mm-hmm. I think, makes a lot of people, hard for people to get on board with it for, you know, many reasons. A, they feel like she overreacted. B, they think Mitch was a total asshole. So it's like, there's no middle ground. Because you're right, he doesn't give her constructive feedback. He's just like... no. No, you know what I mean? Like, just, like, swinging down his final decree that she cannot do this. 
And, you know, a lot of people are like, she was set up to fail because he gave her like an assistant like or secretary like internship. And then when that's what she did was like, well, you were too much of a secretary. And it's like, well, she wasn't writing as far as we know. So, yes, I really do wish that we would have like that scene would have been written a little bit differently, whereas she still could have felt this major blow but maybe it wouldn't have made us all hate Mitchum so much that we can't see past that to like the more important aspects of what it did to Rory. Two, I think the problem here or what I find interesting is like, it's not necessarily that Mitchum gave Rory a bad evaluation. I think it's that she's been like so conditioned by everyone in her life to believe that she's so good and amazing she was expecting a good evaluation. You know what I mean? Like she asked him fully prepared for him to like shower her with praise because that's what she's been conditioned to expect from everyone. And so then when he didn't give her that, she didn't know how to comprehend it. And then, you know, she's totally odd. <laughs> but I feel like it's like the same thing happened in that episode where she had to drop her class She's on the phone with her mom as she's walking there. And she's like, I'm headed to his office hours because I know I'm in for a heaping serving of nicely done, Miss Gilmore. How about an A? And instead, what he tells her is the paper is not well written. And I can tell that you used notes from a different class to supplement it, which she totally did do. And that was honest feedback. That was gentle feedback. And she still had the breakdown with Dean. So it's like, that's what we're talking about. Like that cognitive dissonance of like, she can't accept when she's not given the like praise and adoration that she's come to expect kind of thing. Or I think that was an interesting yeah. take on it that I hadn't thought of before. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's slightly different because in the case of the paper, she's confronted with the fact that she thought she did a good job and then the teacher is telling her not. So she has to question her own judgment of like, oh, maybe my feeling I did a good job. I can't trust that anymore. And I think with Mitchum, it is similar. She's like, but that one is more gaslighty. Because as you said, like she was hired in a specific role as an intern. Mm -hmm. And as far as we can see, she shines through that role. Like she's very good at it. And then Mitchum is like, but you didn't fulfill the secret criteria that no one told you existed. And yeah, that's that's completely unfair scenario, but it has the same effect of her questioning, be like, I thought I was doing a good job. Everyone else was giving me signals that I was doing a good job. And now you're telling me you're doing so bad a job, I think you should change industries. Right. And so I think it's completely believable that Rory might interpret those two scenarios as saying the same thing because they both lead her to question her self-knowledge and her judgment. But with the case of the paper, I believe that is legitimate. With the case of Mitchum, that is gaslighting. And that's why I just so deeply wish this scene could have been written differently. Cause I think this would have, this could have been, I mean, it is, but for not very great reasons, such a huge moment for Rory. Like, I just, I just wish we would have, they would have done it a little bit better. I mean, maybe that's the point. Maybe they wanted it to be yeah. like, quote unquote, like ambiguous like this of some people mm -hmm. siding with Mitchum, some people not, et cetera, et cetera. It's also towards the end of the season, right? So they're ramp yeah. ramping up to have 
a big cliffhanger. Yeah. So yeah, maybe the nuances of the situation weren't at the forefront of their priorities. <sighs> because yeah, like, and I actually I rewatched that scene shortly before we recorded because I hate that episode. I never watch Bless it. Bless you. <laughs> You're stronger than I am. I always skip it. And I was like, you know, I need to have like a good frame of reference going in. And he is like, he's totally the asshole in that situation. Like he really is. The way he says it, the way he speaks down to her. And you brought up in the notes that, you know, there is chatter on Reddit asking whether or not Mitchum was trying to sabotage Rory and Logan's relationship. And I honestly don't think so. I don't think so I either. think that he like Rory is being groomed to, is just used to saying whatever he wants to say and not thinking about other people's feelings or the repercussions. Yes. So I don't think he had a great big master plan to like break up Rory and Logan. No, he was just like, you asked me for my opinion, here it is. And then he never thought about it ever yes. again until richard confronted exactly him. exactly what i was trying to get at when i was trying to like play devil's, devil's advocate earlier is like so true like he is used to like he like i said he probably felt like if she didn't want my honest answer she wouldn't ask me i don't think he fully understood like the detrimental effects that that had on rory and also he didn't seem like to prescribe to the same kind of values and ideas as shira and logan's grandpa like they had some other ulterior motives going on with their plotting and scheming of not wanting Rory and their family. I don't really feel like Mitchum cared about that that much. No. Oh yeah. And I, I think I touched on that earlier, but just that when he was talking to Richard about it, he, in his mind seemed like he genuinely thought he was doing Rory a favor, just like Richard said Rory did with the ballerina. And it's interesting because, you know, there's that season or scene in season seven where they're having dinner, Lorelai, Mitchum, or, I'm sorry, not Lorelai, <laughs> Rory, Mitchum and Logan. And he's telling her, like, oh, you can have your pick of any of our newspapers across the country. And Rory's like, uh, I seem to remember you saying that I didn't have it. And he was mm -hmm. like, oh, please, things change, circumstances change. And so I've always wondered, like, is that an argument for the fact that he was doing it on purpose? Because now he sees Rory as an asset, so he wants to keep her in Logan's life. Or did he just change his mind about her because he saw her become editor-in-chief of the Yale Daily News and she got the job at the Stanford Gazette. And so maybe he's like, okay, I was wrong. She proved me wrong. I don't know. I go I'm going to say option one. <laughs> that now he sees her as like, because I think as much as I don't think Mitchum wants to break up Logan and Rory, I think that once he say sees that Rory sticks around and is maybe like a grounding influence for Logan, she suddenly becomes a pawn, mm. like peon in his grand master plan to have Logan play into the Huntsberger destiny. So, yeah, I mean, I doubt Mitchum will have given time to like looking up Rory's accomplishments. <laughs> I think he'll just be like, Rory makes Logan less wild. Rory, good thing. Keep Rory Offer here. a job to Rory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, perhaps option two gives Mitchum a little bit too much credit. Because like much like Richard, Mitchum is someone who defines himself through his work. Mm -hmm. And he sees Logan as an essential part of his legacy to the point where he doesn't care about Logan as a person. 
And so I totally see him absorbing Rory as <laughs> part of that way to keep Logan in line. <sighs> so part three, act three. Why did you drop out of Yale? I couldn't say it just like what you've all been waiting for. (laughs) I want to say it like justice, but I I can't. I can't get the intonation right. So (laughs) why did you drop out of Yale? His whole like he wraps his mouth around like every word in that sentence. Yeah. (laughs) So my opinion on this has changed drastically from the first time I saw the show. I'm Mm. embarrassed to admit it, but. I was the very first time I watched one of those people who was like, oh my gosh, Lorelai totally, or jeez, Rory totally overreacted. She's being so dramatic, blah, blah, blah. Now I'm completely on the other side. I think not only is it totally understandable, but completely realistic for her to have this like quarter life crisis moment of like, OMG, like what the hell am I even doing? Maybe it's because now I'm like in my mid twenties and I've had that quarter life crisis moment. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what am I doing? Why? Like, what does it all mean? You know? Um, I think we've all probably been there and I kind of wish that like Mitchum and Logan, I wrote that in my notes. I kind of wish they wish they weren't the catalyst for this, Mm -hmm. but I don't know how else it could have happened. But yeah, anyway, I'm totally, I understand where she's coming from. But can I can I ask like why you felt more on like Lorelai's side before? I think it just like I couldn't understand why okay, so the Lorelai thing I'll talk about a little more when we talk about like Lorelai's reaction to it. Mm. But as far as like not understanding why Rory did it, I think the very first time I watched, I was just like, you know, this man is so I already didn't like Logan and I that much I didn't care for Mitchum so I was like how could you let this one man derail you from mm-hmm. everything like what why is his opinion matter so much to you and I just was like like ignore him who cares like you know what you're capable of kind of thing I think that's where I was kind of operating yeah. from and like I know everyone's like but he's such a huge figure in that world and I was like screw him like he doesn't matter <laughs> I mean I'm gonna say I I had a very similar reaction of like why are you saying you're going to drop out of school? Like, it's okay to be upset, but this decision to, like, drop out of school seems completely overblown. And then getting arrested. But now now that I'm older and I've personally been through college and all that and done grad school and and now teaching college-age students, I can totally see this. And also... This is me me bleeding into like evaluating Lorelai's response. Like she's saying this at the end of term. Like she's done her final exam. So like, yes, let her have her existential crisis. And then probably two months later, she'll be ready to enroll in classes for the fall. Like it is not a huge deal. And the way that Lorelai reacts makes Rory dig her heels in and be like, I won't, I won't want to return. I swear. And now you're like kind of daring her. You're like, I dare you. You're like playing chicken. She's like, I will not return to school. Whilst you'd be like, hey, this is really awful. Let's just take your mind off of it. Do something fun. Enjoy your summer. And then who knows what would have happened. So with hindsight, like I would have just let her 
have her moment. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Because Lorelai knows Rory. Like, Rory thrives on a schedule, on a routine, on, you know, having, like, feeling like she's working towards something. And I think burnout is totally normal. Like, she has been going full throttle for, like, her, for her whole life. For 20 years at this point. To take a moment to reevaluate, is this what I want to do? Or is this something I've been doing because everyone's always told me that's what I would be doing? You know, like, I think those feelings yeah. that she's having, totally, totally normal. And she's been told her whole life that she's good at this. And like we said, if someone who's like a gatekeeper to this industry is telling her she she's not, that will throw somebody into like a, well, you know, maybe I need to take a second and think about it. And you're totally right. Like Lorelai tells Rory, I'm not going to let you sit at home and bum around all summer. When is Rory ever bummed around? Like Rory doesn't do that. Like, you know, Lord, or that night Rory would have whipped out her pro con list and started like planning for alternate majors or figuring out alternate paths in life. Like, and you're totally right. I think by the end of the summer, she would have decided to go back to school. Like it just got blown up into this huge thing. And yeah. Yeah. And I do want to talk a bit about this, like, I've hinted at it before, like, this idea that it's so important that for Rory and Lorelai to be successful, they have to have one dream and then follow through on that dream. Mm. And Sure, okay, that's a narrative arc, and this is a TV show. But let's just, like, say these are real people, <laughs> as we believe in our hearts. This idea that you can't change your major, or you can't recalibrate and look at alternative things like in my own industry like I'm trained as a philosopher everyone's first question is what are you going to do with that and academia being what it is like with no job guarantee in order for me to make any decisions in my career I have to in good conscience explore alternative career paths and you yourself like you change majors like when you realize you didn't want to do this anymore, like it's doable, right? Oh yeah. Like that's the thing too. And I, I wrote that in the notes that I felt this moment would have been much more impactful too. If Rory did decide to forge a different path, I feel like her being a journal or a, a foreign correspondent was something that was said offhanded when she was like five. And then they just latched onto it forever. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so if she was like, you know, Conveyor belt. yes. So if she could be like, you know, so many, Zoltan Committee, calling it. Like, that's just going to be our new phrase for any time we spy BS. But if she could say, like, I'm 21 now, my interests have changed, my desires have changed. When I was five, I wanted to be a fashion designer, okay? Like, <laughs> you you change your mind. And I think it would have been really cool to see that, for her to be like, you know what, yes, I'm going to go back to school, but I'm going to do something that I feel really passionately about. And I agree with, like, what was hinted at through the whole show. I don't think that Rory had the personality for the line of work that she wanted to do, being a foreign correspondent. Jess knew it. He did. Jess called it. Rory does not go outside of her comfort zone. Her mom had to persuade her to go to the Chilton dance. Jumping off the platform with Logan, he had to convince her. Like, even, like, getting out there and finding a story. Like, she was interviewing that guy about this, the downloading thing. She was in the middle of talking to him. She's like, I lost my train of thought. I'm going to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and it's the same thing in the revival when she falls asleep interviewing yes. someone. I was like, hello, don't you want to be a journalist? What is wrong with you? Like she doesn't have that like kick, that drive to like really get out there, pound the pavement, find the story, which is fine. Are we saying that Mitchum is right? <laughs> it's so like, 
it's like it's it's like yes but asterisk that (laughs) yeah he happened to be right but like i don't think his evaluation of her was correct if that makes sense yeah and i also think like there are different kinds of journalism you put in the notes like someone said in the reddit like rory would have been a great travel amazing as a travel journalist amazing and yeah there are different kinds of journalism she just won't be christian amanpour and she loved traveling she loved like that's the thing she didn't like to like put herself out there but she did like to like on her own time experience new cultures new mm-hmm. places i think that would have been perfect for her you know she snapped yeah. she turned her nose up at the teaching job i don't care what that girl says <sighs> she lit up when she was talking to those chilton students okay so for her to be like i'm not gonna be a teacher it's like you look so I mean, happy uh- because this is my industry, I feel like personally slighted that she's just like, I don't want to be a teacher. I was like, you don't want to educate the next generation and corrupt the minds of the youth? Like, what is wrong with you? I get to teach baby doctors this fall, and I am so excited to like introduce them to disability theory. You have no idea. So Rory would be an excellent teacher because yes. I feel like she's so passionate. Think about when she showed around that yes. girl from Chilton at Yale. Like she has a natural drive to be super nerdy and to be passionate about history and context and literature and all of these things. And so her like snubbing teaching as a profession really seems like a product of everyone else around her telling her she's called to greater things. Yes. And I just realized that girl's name was also Anna. So they reused that name. But anyway. Oh yeah. Um, and I mean, lots of people have same names in real life. No, for sure. It's just something I've noticed in shows. There generally seems to be like a pool of names and like a locket reuse. I know it's like new girl and some other things. Anna Fairchild. But it also seems unrealistic that she never got her master's. Someone said that on the Reddit, subreddit, and I I agree. But back to your original question, you asked me about changing my major, and is it possible? Yes. (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, Rory was in her, she finished her second year of school, which is actually, like, if you're going to change your major, a great time, because you've just finished your prereqs, and, you know, she didn't want to get locked into anything. So, yes, she absolutely could have. And I actually think that having her have this moment of, like, personal reflection and then still go back on the path that everyone wanted for her made this whole thing kind of fall short. Yeah. Because it made it as like, oh, it's a wobble. Yes. As opposed to it's a moment of like difficult but necessary introspection about what she personally wants Mm -hmm. and not what everyone else wants for her. Yes, yes, yes. It missed the mark. And, you know, I, I wrote that in the notes, but I think that, everyone who's shocked by Rory having this moment or like having this like faltering a bit given the way she was raised I think she was more than overdue for a moment like this um yeah I had a question Mm -hmm. how do you think Lorelai would have reacted if Rory said I want to drop out of school because I'm pregnant oof (laughs) I still don't think she would have taken it well um it's hard to say because like in the world of Gilmore Girls 
alternative options don't exist for pregnancy, right? No, exactly. So yeah. it would have been Roy's having and and keeping and having this baby for sure. She that's a really good question. I don't know the kind of role that Lorelai would take as a grandparent. Like would she offer to like raise her baby so mm. Roy can go back to school? I think she would very much encourage Roy to go back to school after she has had the baby. Yeah. But it may be like a position Lorelai understands more. Like she did pursue higher education mm-hmm. once Rory was older. Like, so she can understand this. But I guess my question is motivated by does the show have a hierarchy of like reasons that are acceptable to drop out of an Ivy League school and reasons that are not acceptable? So Rory having like a mental health crisis is not acceptable. But maybe if Rory were pregnant, that would be an acceptable reason to, like, take a pause. I could see that. Like, Lorelai would be disappointed but helpful. Yeah. Like, it'd be, like, actually an exact mirror, I think, to the episode where Rory gets arrested. When she picks her up from the police station, she seems very, like, terse and angry. She's like, you have everything? And Rory's like, yep. She's like, let's go. And they leave. And then the second they're in the car, she's, like, problem-solving mode, telling Rory, don't worry Mm -hmm. about it. We're going to figure it out. We're going to get a lawyer. It's going to be fine. I feel like it would have been exactly that. Yeah, there's no compassion. Mm -hmm. The lack of compassion from Lorelai is astounding. And I mean, maybe they just needed to do that for storyline reasons. But again, as if these were real people. Like, your child is just like, I feel overwhelmed. I can't deal. And your reaction is like, well, you're not welcome in my home. Like, how is that better than... Emily and Richard, like, making Lorelai feel unwelcome because she's pregnant. It's absolutely not. This is one of Lorelai's biggest moments where she's the most like Emily. And she's very immature in this situation with Rory. I understand she's hurt. Because not only did Rory drop out, she went behind her back to her grandparents, which she knew would hurt her mom even more. You know? I get that it's very nuanced. However, just like I said in our last episode, that it's not on Lorelai to maintain and salvage a relationship with her parents. It's not on Rory to main, like to fix what's going on with her mom. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I first watched it, I was very hurt on Lorelai's Me behalf. Too. Because that is such a betrayal. Also, and I think that stands. Her anger is righteous. Like, she, she has every right to be angry. And I was mad at Rory. And I was mad at the grandparents. Like, that's how I felt the first time. <laughs> I mean, I still think that Lorelai has a right to be angry. For sure. With at her parents yeah. double-crossing yes, her. Yes, for sure. With However, I also don't blame Rory for, like, seeking out her other available option once her mom says, you can't live with me. Because where was she going to go, right? Exactly. I just don't get why they wouldn't talk to her. Like, why couldn't Richard have called as soon as Rory came crying and said, look, yeah. she's I've never seen her like this. I think we should maybe re... Because, like, no one knows how to communicate. That's why. Soraya. But... Yeah. <laughs> you answered your own question. I was like, you forget that these people don't talk to each other about their feelings ever. But if they could have just said, like, you know, this seems different. Let's reevaluate. Let's... So, oh, but yes, but Lorelai going out of her way to hurt Rory as well, like getting engaged and not telling Rory, which like, I really don't feel like proposing to Luke if I was him in that moment, I would have said no, because she's fueled by emotions and things feeling uncertain. She's looking for something to hold on to. Yeah. How demeaning is that to be proposed to because your partner is like 
upset. Right? I was like, Gilmore goes, I don't want you to propose to me because you're upset. Gilmore goes <laughs> loves to have a proposal come out of like a, an argument or a tense <sighs> time. And, you know, I think they try to pitch it as like, well, she was overcome by like his love for Rory because he was, you know, in the middle of that speech. Yeah. But yeah. And so when they see each other and, and Rory's like, you getting engaged to Luke and not telling me about it that hurt me and Rory's like or Lorelai's like back at you like come on Lorelai are you 15 like (laughs) you're her mother yeah but when they see each other and Rory's like you know you getting engaged to Luke and not telling me about it like that hurt me and Lorelai's like yeah back at you it's just like it's it's that's like something a 14 year old would say like you're her mom this is one of those instances we need to pull back on the friend thing and do the mom thing because that was just a wildly inappropriate to disregard Rory's emotions because Lorelai is hurt by her choice. Yeah, or even just saying like, like owning up to it. It's like I I meant to hurt you. Yeah, because she did. Like yeah. To contrast that with how she feels about Christopher pressuring her into getting married without Rory there, you can really. That doubles down on the fact that she knows that this is a big way to hurt Rory. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, Lorelai's being very immature. And in that, people always come for Alexis Bledel's acting, which like I don't really get in terms of Gilmore Girl. Like I mean, really? yeah, like a lot of people are like, oh, her acting was not very good to start out with, or she's a bad. I mean, fake crier. And I'm like, but all the times when Rory cries, I feel like it's supposed to be kind of like like crying in the therapist's office in season six yeah i feel like it was supposed to be like comical it's not like more like yeah, crying exactly. at the end of her marriage with chris like that's a very different kind of scene um yeah. but that scene where she comes into luke's and he tells her that they're engaged oh my gosh her chops there she looks so small and so sad like it's all on her face i feel like that's such a good scene i honestly never had any issues with Alexis Bledel's Me acting. either. Like, I'm not the foremost authority on good acting, but still. Like, yeah. Leave Alexis Bledel alone. Yeah, like, if you're not taking me out of the story, you are a good actor. Like, uh, you know what I mean? But <laughs> let's hold her accountable for her, like, promoting some, like, diet stuff and, like, fat phobic things. She did But that? her acting is fine. <laughs> when did she do that? I didn't know about that. Oh, I I forget. It's on one of the episodes of the maintenance phase. I would have to like fact check, but like she was someone who signed on to like I think uh Marianne Williamson's like faith healing weight loss type stuff. Anyway. All right. I the more you know. <laughs> but yes, I think that was all I wanted to say about I'm looking at my nose for Lorelai's reaction. I think I might have already touched on it, but by shutting her out, she was just, like, totally giving her an ultimatum and just, like, saying, like, my relationship with you is conditional and contingent upon you doing what I want you to do, which is exactly what Emily does to Lorelai. So I think, yeah, we talked about how it was a very, like, controlling Gilmore-y thing to do, and it, it very much was. I mean, it's understandable. A lot of parents feel like their children have to go to school. Like, they have to go to college that if their child expresses the desire to not go to college or to drop out of college, then it is their parental duty to like force them back. So there is a larger societal pressure going on. But there's also the pressure that Lorelai had to sacrifice 
in a way her independence by asking her parents for money by being held hostage for her Friday night dinners and I feel like there's a sunk cost fallacy that is happening with Lorelai she's like I put so much into this you're not allowed to drop out because I'm now enmeshed in your college experience which is which is unhealthy and so wild because Lorelai herself is very successful and she didn't go to an Ivy League and she didn't get her mm-hmm. bachelor's. She has her AA. But like for so for her to have this like completely strong harsh reaction like Rory's whole life will end if she does not get this specific degree at this specific school when like that's what Lore, Lorelai's parents were telling her and she made a very successful life for herself. Why didn't she have faith that no matter what Rory decided she can also find a way to be successful? Because it betrays Lorelai's deep-seated values that this is something you should aspire to and I mean to be fair to Lorelai we are conditioned as a society to think that Ivy League education is top tier Mm -hmm. and what everyone should aspire to and if you go to Harvard Princeton Yale etc like somehow you get more clout in society and more respect. Like that is a very real effect. And I can say this as someone who has not gone to those institutions. And when I see someone who went to Yale come into the room, everyone listens to Mm. them. Like it is, it has a real life consequence. the clout. However, however, I think this goes back to the question of, did Lorelai settle for her life because she got pregnant? And she's like, this is the best I could do, but I've given you everything. And therefore you should achieve more than I have. But that's the thing is like, what is more? What is better? Like Lorelai says this so many times throughout the show. You're supposed to have more than me. She's supposed to have better than I did. She's supposed, what is that definition? What is more? What is better? What is going to make it feel like she accomplished her goal? Only if Rory becomes Christiane Amanpour, like, you know, there's so many ways to measure that. And so I just don't really know. It's the concept is very abstract. Again, I'm going to say this one more time, but it's this very narrow neoliberal idea of feminism of like women can achieve their goals, but without any grace for the realities of reevaluating and even if let's say Rory gave up her dream of being a journalist after her talk with Mitchum could we say it's unfortunate that this man has had such a big influence on her career path yes we could say that however that is also realistic like lots of people choose to exit industries because they are badly treated as women because they're badly treated as queer people because they're badly treated as BIPOC. Mm -hmm. Like that is a real life consequence. So we can have a discussion as to like, why wasn't this industry more inclusive? But we can also say like Rory deciding to do something else with her life is not necessarily failure. No. And and that's the thing too, is like going back to what I was just saying about like her wanting more or better for her. And then you saying like her doing something different is not a failure. That's exactly how Emily and Richard look at Ro- or Lorelai. They wanted her to have a quote better life, and so she failed because she became pregnant and because she didn't get married and because she lives this different life. The life Richard and Emily want for her versus the life she has, I would take that any day. 
you know, she has a circle of friends who love her. She has this, her own business that she started. She has sometimes a good relationship with her daughter. And, you know, when her and, like, I'm not even going to get into her romantic stuff because, like, that's a whole thing. But, like, you know what I mean? It's different, but it's not failing. I think that she has a much happier life than a lot of the people in Richard and Emily's circle do. I mean, definitely, even if we compare Lorelai and Emily, like, I would take Lorelai's life. Yeah. 100%. Over Emily. Emily's life feels, like, very lonely and Isolating. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, just an interesting idea. I think we've talked about all of the things, like, I feel like it's understandable why Rory dropped, wanted to drop out of Yale. I think Lorelai's reaction is overblown and very Emily-like. I think Emily and Richard's reaction is very hurtful. I feel I can't blame Rory for going to her grandparents after her mom turned her away. But we have to acknowledge that it's also a way for her to avoid responsibility once more. Because she knows that she can do no wrong in her grandparents' eyes until... They discover she's having sex and that it's the worst thing imaginable. Clutch my pearls. They paid $40,000 for her sex house. And that Mitchum was <laughs> wrong. Like, his approach, all he, he was an asshole. Like, we can, yeah, like, we'll definitively say yeah. that the approach was wrong for many, many reasons. Um, yeah, like. But, yeah, I guess I will finish by saying take mental health seriously. Not everyone needs a college degree. Not everyone needs to do a college degree continuously. You can go back to school. Going to an Ivy League gives you status. It doesn't necessarily give you a better education. And if you need to take time to reflect on your priorities and your values and how you see yourself in the world, that is okay and if you are the parent of a child going through this i urge you to please not threaten them with homelessness because it's not going to work and it's also callous and insensitive (laughs) housing first if you are going through a similar thing please reach out to mental health professionals in your area well we can put um resources too in the show notes like for naming and you know some other things um because yeah it's very real and it's very legitimate and we've all safe to say have been there we'll probably be there again at some point um but yeah thanks for listening to season one um i actually really like that we kind of ended this episode on or ended this season on like a nice juicy Juicy, long episode (laughs) to send you away uh until the new year so yes um please as always write to us with your thoughts you can dm us on instagram at wqmpod you can comment over there email us at wqmpod at gmail.com and elena where can people find you in the off season You can listen to me discuss books by underrepresented authors on Bookshelf Remix. That's at Bookshelf Remix on social media. 
And I also host a philosophy podcast where I interview underrepresented philosophers. It's called Philosophy Casting Call. I am now casting season three. And the theme is interdisciplinarity. So I'm looking at people who may or may not have formal training in philosophy, but who end up using philosophy methodologies in their work and in their practice. So I'm opening it up to people who aren't just like in academic philosophy. So if you're interested in that, I have two full seasons that you can listen to and season three is in the works. And what about you, Soraya? You can find me on Instagram at booksolidpodcast. Um, That is the other podcast I host, part book club, part book review. And by the time you listen to this, season three will probably be almost, if not pretty much done. There'll be some announcements coming, so you can go subscribe or check it out if you want to see that. And yeah, we cannot wait to see you all again very, very soon. Or And yeah, keep watching our Instagram at WOQMPod and to see if we have you know any lives or any other watch-alongs or activities. But if not, regardless, we will see you again for season two in the new year so please send us your requests just dm us or email us at woqmpod at gmail.com and we will take everything into consideration i can guarantee but we'll be talking dean (laughs) and paris and the revival yes but there's so much more we could discuss so give us your thoughts and we look forward to chatting with you until next time keep your morals questionable